T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith and how the two come together in lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. It's Mike McGivern flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Kelton for Brookside Baptist Church will be back next week. My special guest this week, he is Tim Hayes. He's the head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. It's a Christian university in Central Florida. Hey, Coach, how you doing today? Hey, good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate uh, your time and willingness to come on. I want to thank uh, Renee lopez uh, for putting us together. Uh, she was on last week, Coach, and, man, what a wonderful testimony uh, she has. Oh, absolutely. You know, just knowing what she's done and what she's doing right now for athletes and, and trying to impact lives for the Lord has just been really cool to watch. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to, to getting her book. As we had talked about uh, prior to going on the air today, I've coached basketball a long time, and that book that she's coming out with, uh, so you want a full ride is is going to be really handy uh, for for parents and for student athletes and certainly coaches and administrators throughout this state. When when that thing is ready to go, I'm going to certainly recommend to a lot of people to pick up that book. After talking to her last week, she's done a lot of legwork, a lot of sweat equity has gone in to put that all the information in one place. Uh, for people like me and people like you that can say, hey, look, this is a really good roadmap. On if if you want to get recruited and you want to play at the next level, here's a really good roadmap. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's her knowledge and background as a coach. You know, at all levels, coming up through all the way to Division One. Um, you know, she's got a great perspective on what athletes need to do and and maybe the steps they need to take that they may not be aware of. Um, you know, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of assumptions out there uh, in the sports community on how you go about getting a scholarship or get seen or recruited. Uh, but she's, she's got some great insight. And, and, and I think, again, coming from a faith-based perspective on how to do it the right way, um, you know, and, and be responsible with resources, you know, and, and the things that God's given these kids as far as talents and resources and opportunity and, um, so yeah, I, I, I would say absolutely, you know, that would be a great resource. Uh, and there's not enough information out there. I mean, even, even today, uh, with the access that, that student athletes have on the internet to be able to do research, still so much misinformation out there on what it takes to be a, a college athlete and recruited. So I think that's going to be a fantastic resource, uh, for coaches and players. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Coach, uh, Southeast, where, where is this uh, in Florida? Are you guys in, in Lakeland, Florida, is that correct? Yeah, we're, we're situated just in between Tampa and Orlando here in central Florida. Um, and, 
great university. Southeastern is is about 7,000 students. Uh, compete at the NAI level, which is very equivalent to NCAA Division II. Um, you know, and so just great level, great institution. Uh, the, the greatest part about selling this location is that uh, we are very close to Clearwater Beach, which was ranked the number one beach in America, uh, which isn't a hard sell when I'm, when I'm talking to 18 to 22-year-old uh, women trying to recruit them down here. Uh, and then the other way, we have, you know, Disney World only 30, 35 minutes from our campus. So pre- pretty good area down here. Well, you can't beat that. I've got a brother that lives in Tarpon Springs. And uh, I'll tell you, you, you talk to him, if, if, uh, if you have any recruits coming down, he'll highly recommend you get over to Frenchie's on Clearwater Beach and get a grouper sandwich and then hang out on that beach. Because he, I'm telling you, he thinks that, uh, you know, again, he, he believes that, that that's the number one beach in America. For me, I, I Siesta Key over in Sarasota. It was the finest beach that I've ever been to. But, look, I got a brother in Sarasota, another brother in Tarpon Springs, and I'm sitting up here in Milwaukee. And about, you know, come mid-January, early February, they're always calling and laughing at me, Coach. Uh, yeah, the, the weather up here. Hey, can we get your sure. yeah? Can we get your background where you grew up and, and how you got involved in the game of basketball? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, started, started at a young age. You know, my passion for the game really – started the way it does for most uh, kids, you know, out, out in the driveway with a ball and a hoop and a dream and trying to figure out what to do with it, um, you know, and, and very much very much my story um, coming up through was that, you know, I was, always the, I was always the kid that was just a step behind talent-wise and had to, had to really find ways and be resourceful uh, on how to be and ended up, you know, ended up having an opportunity to play um, a year at Air Force Prep um, there in Colorado Springs yep. uh, after after high school, and then and then ultimately uh, moved on to Boise State um, and and had my chance there to kind of experience really what the Division One level looked like, and then and then ultimately finished at a private Christian university, so um, in in Nampa, Idaho, Northwest Nazarene University, and sure. so. Um, Really, really had an opportunity that I know now God was preparing me for what I what I currently do, uh, but really had an opportunity to see every type of school. I was at a military academy, was at a, a large public school, and then a small private Christian university, and, and really got to learn what those cultures and environments kind of look like from an athletic perspective. And um, from there, I was very fortunate at Boise State to, to meet the love of my life, Krista, um, she, she was very much, uh, a superstar there. And I was very much like Rudy on the men's team. Sure. Um, <laughs> and so I really kind of got to, got to follow her success a little bit. And she ended up graduating from Boise state as an all conference player there. Um, and we both got out and, and really had to figure out what our next thing was going to be. And we both had opportunities in different directions. Uh, she had some opportunities uh, to try out for like WNBA type clubs, and um, just always kept kept making that that final cut, but then but then missing out just before season. And so um, so so we moved on and and got married. Um, found out that coaching was still in our blood, so we she ended up being an assistant coach at Northwest Nazarene. I I ended up being a head 
boys basketball coach at a high school there in Boise, Idaho. And so, um, you know, through that process, you know, we were, we were trying to figure out how to intertwine faith coaching and figure out what a career looked like and all of that. Um, you know, I was very fortunate, um, came across some great contacts there, both from playing and coaching, um, ended up having a chance to be the state director for the fellowship of Christian athletes, uh, there in Idaho and really got my feet wet, uh, with ministry, but in a, you know, in athletics. And, um, during that time, uh, met a lot of people in the basketball community, ended up getting a chance to go back to coaching, uh, at the division one level as an assistant coach. Uh, all that to say, we ended up, my wife ended up getting a contract, uh, to play professionally in Australia. I wow. went over to visit and ended up taking over the club she was playing for. Oh, man. So, so no joke, no joke. In a very, very short period of time, I went from being a high school boys coach to being a head coach of a professional team in one of the toughest leagues in the world, in the Australian WNBL, um, and coaching some high, high-level players including my wife, coaching my wife, which I can tell you this, Mike, uh, my, my pastor, uh, of my church back home, we called and said, Hey, we have this opportunity to work together, but I'll be the head coach. She would be a player for me at the pro level. And he said, absolutely don't do it. <laughs> I agree with him, man. I, I agree totally with your pastor. <laughs> we, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a tough moment because we're going, what a unique opportunity, but we're also two very competitive people in a, you know, in an intensified environment of professional basketball, uh, you know, where there's a lot of money and, and pressure to win and those types of things on the line. And so we ended up taking the, the leap. Uh, fortunately, we are still married, happily married. Amen, um, amen to that. I, I will tell you this, though, Mike, and, and I'm sure you can understand this, that um, – Coaching my wife was a different experience, especially at that level. And um, I'm very happy to say she did very well. And so I never had to, you know, uh, let my wife go from the club or anything like that. So she did very well, made made my job a lot easier. Uh, but she was an eye roller. So I did put her on the line sometimes. And then I did sleep on the couch sometimes. So, um you know, we worked through it. It's a great relationship builder. I could tell you that much. Um, I, you know, Coach, I, I I coached my son, and that was yeah. difficult enough for me. I can't imagine. You know what? I I don't think if if I had to coach my wife, it, it we would last. And and look, we've been married a long time, but it would last <laughs> about uh, about three days. And uh, I I can't imagine. That. Good for you guys. And and she's and and she was a player that started on that team. Is that correct? She she did. Yeah, she actually ended up being an All Pro player. Man, good for her. Uh, which she was wonderful. That I think the hardest part of that process in coaching my wife was was that I was very aware that if I really praised her for what she was doing, that would be seen negatively from the team because it looked like favor favoritism right. and so we had to talk a lot about that ahead of time that even if she was doing great things i would have to tell her later <laughs> yep. and, and and almost in some ways kind of ignore her and treat her just like she was just like everybody else there and just you know just go about our business and so 
we we found the right balance with that. But she she had a great career, um, did did some incredible things there, and so we we got to work together for five seasons. I was I was her coach for five seasons. Wow. Um, and we had a great run there, a very competitive run there, um, and some great experiences. So, boy, the, the, uh, hey, so coach, that's, that's the, unique. coach, the, the the drive home after games, would you guys take separate cars? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the, the club gave us one car to share. It saved the club money. So uh, we didn't have two cars. Oh. That wasn't an option at that time. Um, but it was really good. We, we did set parameters. There you um, go. <laughs> uh, around when those conversations happened so that she was prepared and I was prepared. Um, but it, you know, honestly, it worked out very well and she was mature enough because she had been on the coaching side prior to that and understood, you know, certain things. And then obviously knew my personality well enough to know when, you know, when I wanted to kind of address it. And so it worked out very well. Uh, we were very, we were very blessed and got some opportunities that very few couples ever, ever get to have in this basketball journey. It was incredible. We are talking to Tim Hayes. He is the head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. It's down in Lakeland, Florida. It's a Christian university right in central Florida. Hey, coach, before we get to a break, um, Tony Bennett, who's the head basketball coach at uh, Virginia, um, we had him on a high school basketball show that I do, and and it was a father-son kind of show. I had my son come in. I had another coach and his son, and then we got a hold of Tony to talk about what it was like playing for his father and 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 this and I'm wondering with your wife if this if this happened but he said look after every practice I would stay out on the floor and shoot for an extra 20 minutes and, and not because I needed to sometimes and not because I wanted to but I wanted the other players to be able to talk about if they were upset with our coach they could talk about that in the locker room for 20 minutes because at the end of the day that's my father and so I'm wondering, you know, your wife being in the locker room when the other players are not happy with their coach, they're actually talking about her husband. How did you guys deal with that? Oh, that's a great question and a great, you know, that, that's a great thought that, you know, Coach Bennett had. But, you know, we we really did express to the players that, look, you can say what you need to say to my wife, Krista, as a player. Uh, she is one. She will have her own complaints. Um, but at the end of the day, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to be here for the long run. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to undercut each other. And so, um, you know, she, she really was very good and very mature about being involved in conversations, but also giving the team the opportunity to say what they needed to say. And I told her up front, I didn't want to know what was said in the locker room. I don't, I didn't, I didn't want to hear that's that's for a team to discuss and sometimes work things out on their own and i sure. think that's necessary so, that's great um so they were able to do that and it, and it worked out really well i think the teams really respected how we handled that um and she was a great player so i think that's they also really enjoyed having her on the team you bet hey we're going to get you a break our special guest for the entire hour today he's tim hayes he is, again, the head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. And we'll talk to Tim about uh, his testimony, ask him to share his testimony with us on the other side of the break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people of sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. 
back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Mike McGivern flying solo this week. Special guest Tim Hayes, head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. It's a Christian university in Central Florida. Coach, i got to tell you, that first segment, that is a made-for-TV movie right there. <laughs> you know, I, I have had people tell me my life uh, would be a lot like Forrest Gump. And some of the... <laughs> Some of the great, uh, I, don't, I don't know, God, God things, God moments that have happened that, you know, just don't seem real. It seems like, a, a, like you said, a script from a movie in terms of opportunities I've been able to have in my life. So well, it's been fantastic. And, and the, maybe it's like a Hallmark movie because, you know, the story ends with you guys, you're still married and, and, and holding hands and doing all the things that married guys do. So um, that's uh, that's awesome. Hey, Coach, the second segment on Faith in the Zone we, uh, we like to t- talk a little bit about your testimony, you know, where it began. And, and if you can share that with us, that would be great. Absolutely. You know, this is one of the great joys of my life, I think, is, is being able to share what God has done. Because I look back at my life and I just laugh sometimes because I think I have been so unqualified to do so much of what I have been able to enjoy in my life. And, you know, including find my wife. And so... Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, God's story in my life has been very unique. And, um, you know, I grew up in a, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, um, in a, in a conservative home and, uh, but really did not know how to, how to embrace the world, but also embrace my faith. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, going through college, you know, it, it really kind of was one of those things where I withdrew from the world instead of tried to tried to live in the world with my faith. Um, and so, you know, throughout my college career, um, you know, I felt like I kept my teammates at arm's length. And looking back now, one of the greatest regrets I have is not really living out my faith with those athletes that I got to be around on a daily basis. And um, you know, carrying that through to, you know, my coaching career, um, I really asked that God would give us a platform, you know, that, that I would begin to understand how I could use uh, my knowledge of who God was to impact others. And, and, you know, through that, some pretty incredible things happened, you know, from, from coaching, you know, little, little kids on up to pros, um, there's been some really incredible things. And, and really what, what showed me God's, God's reality and hand in, in what I'm doing, uh, you know, I would, I would tell you this story. I think this is a highlight of, of my testimony um, in, in who God is with us. And um, I had been coaching professional basketball uh, in Australia for five seasons, and my wife was a player, got to play for me. Uh, but uh, when we when we decided we were going to come back to the States, I accepted a job at Colorado Christian University. And at that time, Colorado Christian was one of the worst programs in America, hands down. And I was coming from a highly successful professional program where we had a chance to win a pro championship. Um, and to, to add to the mix, I actually accepted the job in early August to go to Colorado Christian. 
And the athletic director literally said in the interview, he said, number one, I don't know why you would take this job. Uh, this, this does not fit with what your experience has been. Um, we knew that we wanted to be back in a face-to-face environment, wanted that opportunity to share openly. So, so we knew it was a good fit from that scenario. But then he goes on and says, it's the worst, it's the worst program in the country, or one of the worst. Uh, you only have probably eight players. When you walk, walk in, you're not going to have time to recruit. You have the lowest scholarship budget, and you're going to be the lowest paid coach in the country at this level, at the NCAA Division II level. And we really leaned into God at that moment because that didn't, that didn't make any practical sense with where we were. Um, and my wife, who is very practical, felt so at peace about it. She just said, let's go. We, I think it's the right time and the right fit. Um, so all of that being said, we put a lot of trust in the Lord. And we jumped in. Um, and so literally the day we ended our, our playoff run uh, with our professional team in Australia, we got on a plane um, and headed towards um, Colorado. Well, when I got on the plane, um, you know, and I'm sure you, you might have people or listeners that relate to this. My, my wife is narcoleptic on a plane. <laughs> so she gets on and she is out. She's done. Um, I am very much the person that cannot sleep on the plane. I have to watch six movies on an inter- international flight to be okay. Um, and so all, all I had taken with me on the plane when we got on was, was my small uh, little pocket Gideon New Testament Bible. And we walk on the plane, sit down. My wife has already passed out in the first 10 minutes of sitting on this plane. And the pilot comes on and says, hey, we're very sorry, but on this flight from Sydney to Los Angeles, uh, the movies are not going to be working. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's a 14-hour flight, Mike. Oh, so man. I'm going, I'm going, oh, no. You know, and I had put everything else, you know, checked check, checked my bags with everything else that I had, you know, that I could have kept myself uh, entertained with. And, and that was the beginning of a great God moment for me. So what happened was, as I'm sitting on the plane, it's an it's a overnight flight, lights go off, everybody's sleeping, and I'm just sitting there. Uh, in my seat, just pondering kind of what God had done. And to be honest with you, I really started to question what God was doing in that moment, because I, I, I started to really process and think about what we were doing. We were, we were leaving a highly successful professional opportunity, and we were walking into what really looked on the surface like a train wreck. And, and I really started to question God's purpose and all that and why we felt at peace about doing that. And, you know, and almost kind of going, this is beneath me, like this is below me and, and kind of being, you know, a little bit full of myself in terms of what we had, we had accomplished. And, um, and so I started to talk to God about that kind of angry a little bit. Um, but I had my, my Bible. And so when I was kind of done with, you know, complaining and, and talking to God in that way, I, I, I just opened up my Bible and I started to read and, um, and, and he really led me to Matthew 19, 20 through 26. And it's, it's a story about the rich young ruler that approaches Jesus, um, and asks, you know, or basically states, Hey, I've, I've done this, this, and this states his resume. Can I follow you? And Jesus challenges his heart and says, no, you will need to turn around, go sell everything you own. And then you can follow me. And that, that rich young man, that rich young ruler walked away disappointed. And that story, when I read that, it really kind of 
it, it leveled me because I felt like I was acting like the rich young ruler that, that I needed practical explanation. I needed a checklist of why God would do what he does. And God was turning around challenging me and just saying, have faith, put a complete trust and a complete faith, uh, and see what, see what happens, see what I do. And so I, I, no kidding. I sat there crying on the plane for about two hours and I'm glad the lights were off cause I'm an ugly crier. Um, and, and my, I'm glad my wife was asleep. So I didn't have to explain why my emotions were such a wreck at that time. Um, and what happened was I really started to pray and submit. And I just said, God, whatever it is you have for me, lay it out there. What is it? What, what am I supposed to tell these players of this team that supposedly are so, so bad? What am I supposed to tell them coming from a professional coaching scenario to help encourage them? And, and one of two times in my life that I felt like God really spoke to me uh, directly and audibly and I understood uh, was, was this time. And, and this is what's incredible is that um, I had a pen and a napkin, and, and the first thing he said, you will win a national championship within five years. Oh, man. And I'm like, uh, in my mind, again, rational coaches are rational. You know, and, and we're going – I'm sitting there going – practically I'm taking over one of the worst teams in the country. How is that possible? Well, so I spend a few hours trying to work that out. Um, you know, what would we have to do? Who would we have to find? What kind of players and coaches would we have to have to make that happen? And so I finally kind of settled in, and I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm not hallucinating it. And the second thing I heard clearly was, you will impact them within five years. And I thought – now, that one I, I have no answer for. I'm about to go to a very small school uh, who has very little success, um, very little tradition, very little backing, and you're telling me this program that I'm about to take over is supposed to impact a million people. Wow. Uh, Mike, here's the crazy turn of events on this. So uh, that shocked me. That stumped me right there. So I, I set my pen down. I had no explanation. I, couldn't, I could not plan that out in any way. Um, what happens is, is pretty cool. So I finally pick my Bible back up cause I'm just, I, I have nothing to respond. And so I, I read and I had stopped at Matthew 1925 and the story of the rich young ruler. Uh, and it bounces back to Jesus talking to his disciples and telling them this story. And Matthew 1926 with, says with man, this is impossible with God, all things are possible. Um, that became my life first because at that moment I understood that if great things were going to happen, it was going to be the Lord. It was not going to be my coaching ability or my talent or my skills that was going to get it done. Um, that it, it truly was going to be full submission to what God had. And what happened was pretty incredible. And I'll give you the shortest version possible for this show. Um, I told that story directly to our players when I arrived, I arrived on campus the day before they did. Um, and, and I told them what had happened and they thought I had lost my mind yep. um, cause they had only won four games the year before. Um, and here I am saying, you're going to win a national championship. You're going to impact a million people in this time frame. Um, well, what happened was pretty incredible. Four years later, we won a national championship. Um, and, and on the back of that, um, uh, a national magazine, um, had had contacted us and wanted to do a story about this turnaround. And I was telling the story just the same way I just did about what God had said, what had happened, 
um, that he had said it would happen within five years. It happened in four. So he over-delivered, got over-delivered um, in, in incredible fashion. And the, the, the writer says, well, what happened to the million-person thing? Right. And I said, well, um, here's, here's – I, I, I honestly haven't thought that much about it because I didn't know how that would ever materialize. And he goes, well, I got time. He goes, let's, let's go through and, and talk through every person you think could imp, you know, would have been impacted. And the way we defined that was the message of Jesus Christ and what Jesus was doing through our program being planted as a seed, like you had talked about earlier, you know, just sure. really seeds planted. And, and how many people had we really done that? Well, my first year at, that, at Colorado Christian, I had zero recruiting budget. So I went to admissions and said, send me anywhere in the country you can send me. Um, as part of your admissions team, and I'll, I'll talk, I'll speak at chapels, you know, I'll speak to schools, I'll be at, you know, uh, career fairs and college fairs, um, you know, send me, send me out because the only way I'm going to get out in the country and be able to recruit. And so they did. Well, myself and the writer of this article sat there and we, we recanted four years. We went through four years of events, everything I could remember, camps I had spoken at, events I had spoken at. And, and it was a pretty laborious thing. And I'm going, why are we doing this? You know? And, um, and he goes, okay. He goes, according to my tally, Tim, he goes, obviously this is a rough estimate, but he goes, you've probably been in front of and shared Christ with about 500,000 people in four years. Oh, man. And he goes, because you, he goes, you've been on, you've been on radio shows. You've been on, you know, TV appearance, you've been on all these different things, and, and that's probably about the number we're talking about. Well, I'm sitting there as a coach, Mike, and I'm going, I don't think I could top that in four years ever. Like, I, we, we covered so much ground in that period of time. It's unbelievable. Um, I'm going, there's only a year left in what God said would happen. How am I going to how am I going to get that other 500,000 people that he, that he promised, right? So, again, my practical brain kicked in. Right. Uh, and, and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just spitting this at this rider. I'm just saying this out loud. And it's dead silent on the other side. And finally he goes, he goes, Tim, he goes, this article that we're writing is going to be a feature article in the biggest run of this magazine that we do. It's the final four edition of this magazine. And he goes, do you know how many people we're distributing this to? And I said, I have, I have no idea. And he goes, 500,000. No way. I'm not kidding. So I go, oh, gotcha. So I, we, we both sat there kind of with goosebumps going, okay. You know, I think God's, I think God's got this thing. Unbelievable. Um, and so, you know, that story ran, um, and it was just an incredible moment of realizing how, how big God is and how, how, much we tend to try to put them in a box and try to make things practical when in reality he wants us to completely see his glory and we just got to look up Amen. And, and in that moment in that moment i was looking up going oh my goodness i feel so dumb because i doubted and questioned and felt like it was my responsibility when all all the time all he wanted was commitment and That's faith it. 
That just and, and to turn it over, man. To, hey, coach, what a wonderful testimony! What a wonderful story! We're going to get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue our conversation. He is Tim Hayes. He's the head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. It's a Christian university in Central Florida. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Bayview Shade and Blind. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The Fan, Mike McGivern, flying solo this week. Pastor Ken Keltner will be back next week. Our special guest, he's been great. He is Tim Hayes, head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University uh, down in Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Coach, have you always coached on the girls' side, or did you coach some boys' basketball as well? Yeah, um, actually started out on the boys' side um, with with high school boys' basketball. Um Really enjoyed it, but you know, ultimately, what it came down to for me to switch over, I, I had to make the decision because after coaching boys for a couple of years, I realized one of the biggest challenges there was to keep egos in check. Yep. <laughs> and and on the women's side, uh, what I knew was the biggest challenge there was to keep egos inflated um, and and keep girls believing in themselves. And so uh, I just chose based on my personality, I wanted to spend my career really encouraging and growing. Uh, young women so decided to make the switch and have never looked back so i was uh, at calvary baptist in menominee falls 67 kids in the whole school um i left a place called dominican we had won back-to-back state championships um in in the entire state and then i went to to coach my son uh sophomore junior senior year at calvary baptist and and to start his junior year the girls basketball coach um quit uh, he 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 ended up taking a job. He was going to be working second shift, and they were looking for somebody to coach the girls' team. And my son said, "Hey, can you help us find somebody?" I said, "Sure." Well, I looked. I couldn't find anybody. And my son said, "Well, what are we going to do now?" And I said, "Well, Matthew, I've tried everything. I I don't know." And he said, "Really?" And I said, "No, I'm coaching the boys." He said, "Come on, Dad, I'll help you. My friends want to play," and they had won like two games in three years. It was just, and the coach, the, the coach there, Tim, said, look, I don't know anything about basketball, but nobody else will do it. And normally when a coach says that, he knows something about the game. This guy really didn't. And he was just a kind person, who, and they really had no clue what they were doing. And I realized that after the first practice. So the second practice, this is varsity girls basketball. We had like eight or nine girls on the team. And we took a whole hour and a half practice, Tim, and we taught at a third grade level. We we taught we taught how to you know how to set a screen, how to shade a screen, what triple threat was, how to you know how to cross over, you know defensively, how to do this, how to do that. And all we did was teach for an hour and a half. And at the end of the practice, I said, "Look, we've done a lot of teaching today. Does anybody have any questions?" And Emily Bergeron raised her hand. And I said, yes, Emily. And she said, does the shirt I wear under my jersey have to be 100% cotton? (laughs) 
T- Tim, I'm 100% Irish. I- I've got an answer for everything. I said, uh, I don't know. Let me find out for you. Well, when, these girls, uh, here's what I learned about coaching girls basketball. They come to practice hard every single day. Boys, they would choose, They would pick and choose. I'm going to practice hard today. I'm not going to practice hard tomorrow. I'll practice hard in this drill. I won't practice. Now, it's very social for these girls until we started right. practice. And when we got done with practice, it was very social. But they came to practice, and these girls wanted to learn. And they really were. They were good. They just didn't know some things. We ended up getting to the state finals two years in a row. The first year, we should have won it. Second year, we got run out of the gym from a really good team. But these girls, and what happened that first year, Coach, they, they had had no success for so long. And then we got on this run, and we were playing really well. And we get to the state finals, and it's a tie score with two minutes to go. There's a timeout taken. I talked to my assistant coach for a second, come back to address the team, and they're all kind of giggling. I go, what? They're like, we might win a state championship. And I knew at that moment it was over. I knew it was over. It was over because they thought, you know what? We might win this thing. And as soon as that happened, they never, they didn't hit another shot the rest of the game, Coach. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was it was bad, but this was such a great experience to coach these these girls for sure. And and the other the other story I'll tell you that that threw me a little bit is they kept saying, "Coach us the way you coach your son's team." That's how we want you to coach us. And so about the fourth game in, our point guard had a really bad first half. So at halftime, you know, I let her have it a little bit. And I said, in fact, to start the second half, why don't you sit next to me and we'll figure out why you keep passing the ball to people on the other team. So you sit next to me and I pointed at another girl. I said, you start for her this half. Well, that girl started crying. I go, why are you crying? She said, because you're yelling at my friend. And I thought, man, I'm not in, I am not in Kansas anymore, Toto. I, I just, so I realized that I had to kind of change up. They, they thought they wanted me to coach the way I coached my son's team, but they really didn't want me to coach that way. Right, right. It's a, it is a different thing altogether. Uh, but, but something where I also, like you said, I, I really enjoy the perspective uh, these young women bring to the court and how they how they conduct themselves and the probably the biggest thing is that they see probably just like your story they see the bigger life impact they see relationships yes. as important uh, versus just hey am I getting my stats they care about that even at the highest level um, and so I think there's a unique it's a unique culture with that and I definitely have taken my lumps trying to learn how to be a, a male head coach of a women's team and and, and certainly now I, I enjoy it more than I used to because I used to just beat my head against the wall because I didn't understand, you know, some of those things. And, and it's just been really fun. So Hey, t- we're talking to Tim Hayes again, uh, the head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University uh, down in Lakeland, Florida. The, the other part that I learned um, is I always uh, r- ran kind of a flex offense uh, and and so I was trying to to put that in on the girls' side, and they could not pick it up. And I called a buddy of mine who had coached girls basketball for a long time, and I said, "What am I missing here?" And he said, "Mike, they don't like coaching girls basketball. They don't want to go station to station." Put in just a simple wheel, put in some kind of motion where it's not station to station, but there's some movement involved. And so any time a team would come out and play us, man, these girls would just shut down. So I completely got away from the flex. I put a simple wheel motion in. Just, you know what, let's pass here and pick and let's curl it. And 
sure enough, the team we played, uh, they were playing zone. We hit some shots. They took a timeout and came out and man. And our girls looked at me. I said, just run it. Just run what we ran. Well, we scored on five straight possessions. And the other team took a timeout, and they all were staring at me with this this glaze. And I go, what? They're like, that worked. And I said, well, what did you think? They said, we've never scored much against a man-to-man. That actually worked, Coach. And I said, well, welcome. You know, thank you. I'm glad. And let's keep running. And now if they come out, let's just switch it up, and we'll go the opposite side. And it worked out really well. And I hear from girls now, Coach, that are coaching – and in like a volleyball team, and they'll send me messages saying, Coach, I use the same terminology you used. I use the same I, – I do this the exact same way you did it, and I hated this when you used to do this, but now I'm using it. And it just, you know, that kind of text message or a Facebook uh, message that, that, that put, certainly puts a smile on my face every time I hear from them. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the greatest joys is just seeing some of these lessons you know, that are learned within the game translate to their life. And some of them get out and they coach. Some of them are moms. Some of them are teachers or yep. professionals in other areas. And it's, it's, it's incredible to see how much of an impact you can have during this time frame uh, with the smallest things. You know, like you said, I mean, just how you say things, the expectations you put forth, um, and, and holding them to it. I think the accountability, too, is one of the greatest lessons learned uh, at this level as well. So, you know, it's just it's really it's really cool to see that long term play out and, and to see what they're able to achieve when they come together as a team, you know, in college these four years. You bet I agree. He's Tim Hayes again, uh head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. We're gonna get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue and, and end the show. Got a couple of uh, a couple of questions for Tim on the other side of the break. I want to ask him uh, is a player or a coach his favorite memory? Uh, in this game of basketball, what's his best memory, either as a player or as a coach? And we'll get that answer on the other side of the break. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here's host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All this time, all this time, you covered me. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern flying solo this week. Our special guest, he's Tim Hayes. He is the head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. It's a Christian university down in Central Florida. Hey, Coach, when you're recruiting at at Southeastern University, are you guys looking at Christian high schools, at Christian players to bring on campus, or are you opening up and and, and inviting uh, basketball players that are good student-athletes that you guys can then share your faith with? Yeah, you know, Mike, it's it's a great question. We we really we really want both. Uh, we want, you know, we want this uh, our culture, our university to to reflect the church. Um, you know, if, if if churches only open their doors to inspired, you know, living out their faith, living out their walk, believers, there wouldn't be a lot of people in churches. Um, you know, it's a place to grow. It's a place to learn it's a place to be able to practice and, and and really be inspired in your faith and so we we really go after both 
you know, we have a very high standard in terms of types of basketball players that we that we want to recruit. We're we're ninety one and five in three seasons, um, and we have a high standard. We're trying to win national championships. That being said, I do believe that oftentimes people say that it would be hard to win a national championship with just believers because, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a group of believers can be labeled as soft and not competitive and not care about the winning part of it. And I think our, our, our walk here and what we're trying to, you know, really preach here is that we want to do everything with excellence. And as a believer, if we recruit a, a, a kid that has come from a Christian background, I want to make sure that they understand that, yes, winning does matter. It, it is not our God, but it matters. Yes, And I it agree. matters because you're, 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 you're living out the gifts that God's given you for a greater purpose. Amen. And we want to be excellent. And so we make very few excuses in our recruiting process with that. And I want competitors that are both Christians, and then I want competitors that come from places that maybe they just have not been in an environment like this. And, and we have an opportunity to be able to surround them and, 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 really, and really come alongside them, not preach at them, but show a lifestyle worthy of Christ. And, and, you know, when we do that, it's incredible some of the stories that come out of that. So, yes, you know, we're really, we're really looking both ways, um, but I do also make sure that we have great Christian leadership on these teams because I think that's, that's necessary. We are a Christian university, want to represent that well. And we want this to be something that's going to honor the Lord. Hey, Coach, real quickly, um, your your uh, favorite memory of either as a player or as a coach, and, and I know there's a lot to choose from, what would it be? If I gave you one um, answer on this, what would it be? I'm going to give you the quickest one I can, but it's but it's a, it's a longer story for sure. But um, it, and it's somewhat basketball, but it's, it's definitely for sure a God moment. And, and this is what it was. We had a, we had a manager um, that worked with us uh, at Colorado Christian University, and her name was Kaylee Macbeth. Um, and she came, uh, came on board, always wanted to play for us. It was a dream of hers to play for us. And when she was in high school, uh, her father passed away from a heart tumor that they were unaware of. It was, it was very shocking, surprising. And when they found that out, they started to – test all of the kids in the family and 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 two other uh, of her siblings had actually played at Colorado Christian one was on our team currently and they tested all of the kids from oldest to youngest found out that they were all clear and then they got to Kaylee and found out she had this heart tumor she stood up and said I still want to go accomplish my dreams I may not be able to play basketball now but I want to accomplish my dreams she made that decision um, well, a couple years in, she ended up passing away, um, you know, suddenly from this heart issue. Um, that moment, um, it, as sad as that seems, it, it stands out in my mind as my favorite moment because of this. Haley knew her why. She told me two days before she passed away that she was not afraid of dying. She wasn't afraid of that outcome. Um, what she did say was, with my life or death, I want to impact just one person and I will be happy. And, and that's what happened. She, she passed away, but I ultimately got a chance to speak at the NCAA women's basketball final four on national TV, the national awards show. 
um, where they present the National Player of the Year, National Coach of the Year, all that stuff, I got to stand up and share Christ uh, because of Kaylee's testimony. Um, and it really, really, really stands out to me as probably a highlight so far of my career. Amen. What, what a great way to end this show. Coach, I can't thank you enough. This has been a really fun show for me. Anytime I can I can talk to a basketball coach who's doing really good things, not only on the floor, but certainly in the community and in kids' lives, it's, it's just a really good time uh, spent for me. And, and I appreciate this. I appreciate Renee recommending that I get a hold of you. Uh, again, he is Tim Hayes, head women's basketball coach at Southeastern University. Coach, uh, thanks a lot for your time. Hey, thanks, Mike. It's been an honor being on the show. Hey, and one more win next year. You guys got to this. You got to the national championship last year, right? <laughs> yes, sir. We, we we were within about one minute of winning the national championship, so we will be back next year. Go uh, go cut those nets down, Tim. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. This is Faith in the Zone on Sports Radio one hundred five seven FM. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip for a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people of sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Was it really amazing grace? Now I know for certain, Lord, it was you that rescued me. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.